Well, good morning, good afternoon, brethren. It's uh, wonderful to be here keeping the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, wherever you are around the world, uh, this is a time of great rejoicing and celebration for God's people uh, because this time pictures a momentous time in history of mankind. Of course, we've just recently kept the Feast of Trumpets and also uh, the Day of Atonement, the Feast of Trumpets picturing Jesus Christ's return and the Day of Atonement, which uh, has such incredible ramifications for humanity with uh, Satan being removed and no longer influencing the nations. But we are here keeping the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, a time of incredible joy. Certainly, we're going to have to uh, rebuild the waste places. Uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, people that have come through the tribulation that will need our help. But we have uh, an exciting future to look forward to, and that's one of the things that God wants us to consider as we are here keeping the Feast of Tabernacles. One of the unique features of the feast is that the Israelites were to leave the comfort of their homes and they were to go and make a booth, a temporary dwelling, a tabernacle or a tent. These were terms most people, these are terms most people aren't really familiar with today, but they were structures made of, of temporary materials and they were to live in those structures for seven days of the Feast of Tabernacles and then of course the eighth day on the last great day and for those eight days these tabernacles these temporary dwellings would be their home but why why would God want us to live in temporary dwellings and what do temporary dwellings have to do with the feast this coming kingdom of God with Jesus Christ ruling this earth with the saints for a thousand years during the millennium. For many of us, we come to the feast, we listen to sermons, and that often is the main focus of our festival experience. However, we will see during the course of the message today that dwelling in temporary accommodation also has significant importance and great meaning for God's people uh, which is one of the reasons why we are here today. And we're going to learn, we're going to talk about some of those reasons why uh, we dwell in temporary accommodation. And that's, that's really the vital key that we need to understand at this Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, and it's important for God's people today to understand this. So the title of uh, the sermon, uh, if you like uh, to write a title down, is Why Temporary Dwellings? In the, millenn- in the millennium, course, as we mentioned, uh, depicted by the Feast of Tabernacles, the whole world will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. Uh, God's people, the saints who are being glorified, will be the teachers and those administering God's government over all of mankind and those who have come through the tribulation. It will be a time of great joy for mankind and humanity will finally have the opportunity to understand the true purpose of human existence. People will at last know why they were born. They will be taught the true religion of God and the only religion of God will be taught. There will be no other religions uh, learnt and practiced during this time. In fact, every uh, facet of society, uh, true values will be recaptured. And as God's laws are taught and put into practice, Brethren, there'll be great rejoicing, there'll be great joy, and great blessings will begin to be poured out on the earth. But all this exciting news, uh, it's good to talk about that, but 
What does it have to do with us living in temporary dwellings today? Let's first ask the question, what is a tabernacle? In the Hebrew, a tabernacle simply uh, means and is a booth, a tent or a temporary shelter. In fact, the name Feast of Tabernacles also uh, is termed Feast of Booths, which literally means Feast of Temporary Dwellings. From the very beginning, God uh, began working with the nation of Israel. He instructed the people of Israel how to keep these feasts. Unfortunately, as time went by, they drifted away from God and they in fact lost the understanding of the Feast of Tabernacles, all of the feasts, and of course lost uh, the ability to put into practice many of the instructions that God gives concerning these important feast days. We can turn to Nehemiah uh, chapter 8 and verse 13. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 13. And we can find uh, here as we read uh, the people of Israel after they uh, returned from exile, from uh, captivity, from the Babylonian captivity uh, under the leadership of Ezra and Nehemiah, Uh, the people began to read the scriptures again. Much had been lost. Here in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 13, we can read, uh, beginning in verse 13, Now on the second day, uh, the heads of the fathers' houses, all of the people with the priests, the Levites, were gathered to Ezra, the scribe, in, uh, in order to understand the words of the law. And they found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded by Moses, that the children of Israel should dwell in booths, or to dwell in temporary uh, shelters. As you can see, if you have a center margin, you'll see there it says temporary shelters, this word booths. They were to dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month. And they should announce and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, go out to the mountain and bring olive branches, Branches of oil trees, myrtle branches, palm branches, and branches of leafy trees to make booths, to make temporary dwellings as it is written. And then the people went out and brought them and made themselves booths, each one on the roof of his house or in their courtyards uh, or in the courts of the house of God and in the open square of the water gate and in the open square of the gate of Ephraim. So the whole assembly of those who had returned from captivity made booths. So the law was read out, the people listened, they responded, they made booths wherever they could after they got those materials, those, um, those materials of, of branches, uh, made themselves these temporary dwellings and they went out. Uh, verse 17, and so the whole assembly of those who returned from their captivity made booths and sat under the booths For since the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, until that day, the children of Israel had not done so. And there was great gladness. You know, it's exciting when we uh, begin to understand God's laws, when God begins to open our mind to the truth. uh, You will remember the great excitement that you felt as God was revealing uh, things to you for the very first time. It's a good example here by the, those who returned uh, from uh, captivity uh, how unintentionally we sometimes may lose our way. But when we are directed back, how do we respond? And of course, we have the ministry. Uh, we have God guiding us through his word. 
how do we respond to those instructions? We see the people of Israel learnt what they had forgotten and immediately they went out and put into practice those instructions and they rejoiced. It's a good example for us and hopefully we are like these people here who went out and followed those instructions. It's easy to make excuses and say, look, it's too much hard work. Uh, you know, I haven't got time right now. I'm too busy. It takes real courage to put into practice the things that God reveals to us. And that's one of the things that we can be learning while we're here at the feast. One of the reasons why God uh, commands us to uh, dwell in temporary uh, dwellings, temporary accommodation. So the law here was uh, rediscovered. Uh, It had been lost for a very long time. The law that was lost uh, was the instru- were the instructions that were f- given uh, to Israel uh, back in Leviticus chapter 23. Of course, you know uh, Leviticus chapter 23. This is where God, through Moses, revealed uh, his uh, holy days. Uh, we can read there in Leviticus chapter 23 in verse 1. It says, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them the feasts of the Lord, uh, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations. These are my feasts. And that's the thing we need to remember. These, these are not Moses' feasts. These are not uh, the Jews' feasts. These are God's feasts. So these are the feasts that God wants us to be practicing even today. And that's what we're doing here, keeping the Feast of Tabernacles. Notice verse uh, 39, verse 39 of Leviticus chapter 23. Also on the 15th day of the seventh month, that's, that's where we are now in the seventh month, you have gathered the fruit of the land. You shall keep the feast of the Lord uh, for seven days. On the first day there shall be a Sabbath rest, and on the eighth day a Sabbath rest. That's the first day of the Feast of Tabernacles, and then, of course, the last great day on the eighth day. Those are both high days. They're holy days, days that God uh, specifically wanted us to to rest uh, and to uh, use that time to really draw close to him. Verse 40, And you shall take uh, for yourselves on the first day the fruit of beautiful trees, branches of palm trees, the boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. You know, it's interesting, the Feast of Tabernacles, whenever you read scriptures about the feast, this is a time of great rejoicing. Remember we mentioned earlier that Satan had been removed. He's bound. He's no longer influencing the minds of mankind. And now Jesus Christ is ruling, King of kings, Lord of lords. A righteous government is now being established and the people rejoice when there is righteous rulership, when there's righteous government. And here we have the people uh, were to rejoice during this time. I know sometimes it's hard to to rejoice. We've got to forget about all the troubles and the worries that we've left behind. And we need to really focus on what we're here picturing today, the very purpose of the feast and what it means for all of humanity, really. When we consider that, definitely, brethren, we can rejoice. A fantastic future that we can look forward to. So we're given the instructions here. Now we continue read in verse 41. And you shall keep the feast to the Lord for seven days in the year, and it shall be a statue forever uh, in your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths. 
Again, this is the instruction, temporary dwellings for seven days. All who are native Israelites shall dwell in booths, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And so Moses declared to the children of Israel the feasts of the Lord. The point, brethren, uh, of this is that we need to uh, remember that the Feast of Tabernacles is a time when we're to come out of our our, uh, homes, come out of our everyday living, our life, and leave all that behind and come to the feast and dwell in temporary uh, dwellings here. But for what reason? What was the reason that God wanted us to be thinking about Well, we read that here in verse 43, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out uh, of the land of Egypt. The point, brethren, of dwelling in booths is to profoundly remind us that Israel had not yet inherited their homeland. And brethren, neither have we. We look forward to the coming kingdom of God. Israel Uh, The nation of Israel looked forward to the promised land. But this is to remind us we have not yet inherited that. And this is part of the reason why we're uh, dwelling in temporary accommodation today. We're to be in the world, but we're not to be of the world. We're dwelling here in this this society uh, in a temporary fashion. We need to try and remember that. The tribes of Israel had to wander... Uh, in the wilderness for 40 years before uh, possessing the promised land. And while they were there for those 40 years, they had no permanent dwellings. They had no uh, permanent residential address. They wandered from place to place, setting up tents. They stayed a while. They packed up. They left. Uh, This was their life uh, pretty much for 40 years. They were heirs of the promised land, but they had not yet become inheritors. Sojourners and pilgrims is what they were. And we need to realize, brethren, as every one of us who have been called into the body of Christ, into the church, we too, uh, we are just sojourners and pilgrims. This life, this world we, we, we live in uh, today uh, should not be the thing that is the most important to us. We need to be prepared to really forsake it, leave it at a moment's notice. Notice Luke chapter 9 and verse 57. Luke 9 in verse 57. Here we have a a very interesting uh, reminder, really, of the relationship that we need to have with Jesus Christ. It says here in verse 57, Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. I'll follow you wherever you go, Lord. And Jesus said to him, okay, well, if, if that's the case, uh, this, is, this is the requirement. This will be the job description. He says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He hasn't got a permanent address. He's, he's wandering from place to place. Christ was preaching here and preaching there. Continues on, he says, and then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. I've got, I've got some things. I'll, I want to follow you, Christ, but let me just take care of uh, some personal family matters and then 
uh, when that's all taken care of, well, then I'll, I'll, I'll be there. I'll be with you. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, uh, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. That's got to be, brethren, that's got to be our focus, the kingdom of God. And another said, Lord, I will, uh, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. I've got this, this party. I've got all my friends over. I, it'd be rude uh, if I just left them. So let me go and say goodbye to all my friends and just, you know, bid them farewell. And then I'll be right back over and I'll be with you, Christ. I'll be there with you to the end. And what Christ is saying here, verse 62, Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. You know, this is really a key principle for us to learn. Once we've made that covenant, that commitment to be a bondservant of Jesus Christ, to put Christ first in our life, well, then we cannot look back. We have to look forward to the kingdom. And that's one of the very important lessons that we can learn during this Feast of Tabernacles, something that we can meditate and ponder over the next uh, days of the feast. And we could also consider uh, thinking along these terms, uh, even in our own homes, back wherever you are, or perhaps you, you are at home and you haven't left yet, but consider your own home It's true, we become slaves to our homes in a sense. Uh, We have to worry about the maintenance. Uh, We worry that the paint needs to be uh, scraped and repainted, that the timbers perhaps are rotting. Uh, We're concerned about the property market. Is the the value of my house going up or am I losing money? Uh, We're worried about how much equity, whether our equity has increased or decreased, Um, we become so attached uh, that uh, that becomes almost our God in some sense. Uh, When we rent, the opposite happens. We we don't have those same worries. We don't have those same ties to the physical dwelling. And this is the attitude that we must develop in life. You know, you look at the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they were prepared at a moment's notice, when God said to Abraham, get up and go, he said, yes, sir. Uh, where do you want me to go? He said, I'll tell you when you get there. But uh, let's have a look at Hebrews 11. Uh, notice the attitude that um, Abraham had here. Hebrews chapter 11. And this is all in context of temporary dwellings. This is the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Temporary dwellings. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. You know, he, he by faith said, okay, well I don't know where you want me to go. I'm not sure of, of the direction here, but you know, I, I trust that you have my best interests in mind and I'm going to put you first and I'm going to follow you Uh, because I know that you will take good care of me. And he went out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country. See, he was a stranger. He was a foreigner. He was uh, dwelling in tents, tabernacles, uh, with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. 
Of course, you can continue reading on, but we see here that Abraham was prepared to put his faith and confidence and trust in God and not be restricted and not put his physical possessions uh, over uh, the instructions that God gives to him, God, that God gave to him. And that's part of the lesson of that this, uh, that these days picture. This world is not our inheritance. We live in it, but it is a ruled at this moment, ruled by Satan. And if we care too much about the physical pleasure of this world and what the world can offer, uh, then we will lose sight, brethren, of that inheritance that's waiting for us. Just like Esau, when he sold his inheritance, uh, he sold his birthright. And then when he came to his senses, he wept. Uh, he, he realized what he lost, what he gave up. Notice verse 24. We can read here in the same chapter, Hebrews 11, verse 24. We read that Moses, he knew what was at stake and he realized what was more important. Verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. He looked to the future. And that's what we have to do, brethren. We have to look to the future. Brethren, more. There's more than just the physical uh, temporary dwellings that we live in. There is another aspect of, of this uh, subject that we need to cover. Brethren, we are physical. We are living, we inhabit a physical body. We're not spirit beings yet. Uh, we are mortal, made of the dust of the ground. And the human experience itself is fleeting at best. You know, in a sense, here today and gone tomorrow. The Apostle uh, James says, For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then fades away. You know, life is short, 70 years, maybe 80 by reason of strength. But that's a, that's a short amount of time. We don't have a lot of time to get our house in order in many cases. Brethren, we have been blessed with an understanding and a knowledge uh, that God has revealed to very few people in human uh, history, in, in the human experience. What are we going to do? about that knowledge? Do we understand how important that is? In the millennium, of course, that's what will be taught, the whole purpose of human existence, the purpose of life, the, the human potential that God is creating or recreating himself, his family, and building a family. But we are physical. We are mortal heirs uh, who may if we qualify, we may become immortal inheritors of the kingdom of God. However, right now, brethren, we are not immortal. We have, mort we are, we have mortality. We are destined to die, whether we like it or not. And this is not really nice to talk about, I guess, but it is the reality of, of life. And, but we are physical. And so regardless of the vitamin supplements that we may take, regardless of the fancy diets that we think will give us more, more time on this earth, you know, the organic yogurts or the cosmetics that we may apply, we will still grow old. Uh, we will still 
end up resting in the grave. And so these physical bodies that we have, this physical body is simply temporary. It's a temporary dwelling. It's, it's a tent or a tabernacle in itself. With all the imperfections of life, uh, you understand, you, you probably likely know what I'm talking about, our weaknesses, our aches, our pains. But these bodies were only meant to last for a little while. Long enough, long enough for us to qualify for eternal life. This is a temporary life. We need to use it uh, for the purpose that God has given it to us. Let's have a look at Second Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. The Apostle Peter talks about this very thing. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. He says, yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent. It's interesting, he talks about his body uh, as, as a tent to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent. Uh, it's, it's just a, a temporary body, this body that he inhabits, to put off my tent just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will carefully ensure that you always have a reminder of things after my decease. Now he's realizing that he lived in a physical body. It wouldn't last forever. And shortly he had to put off that, that tent, that tabernacle. And that's how we need to look at our physical bodies as something that's temporary. And yet so often, brethren, we fret, we worry about the shape of our nose, perhaps, the color of our hair, if we have hair, the wrinkles, uh, the creases that come with age. We worry about these things. We spend our lives anxious uh, in the pursuit of more luxurious ways to pamper ourselves, to shelter ourselves, to transport these temporary dwellings. And sometimes we miss the point entirely. And we need to perhaps reevaluate what is important, what our focus really should be. Let's have a look quickly at Second uh, Corinthians. Second Corinthians, the Apostle Paul also talks about this in chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, talking about our body as, a, as a, the analogy as being an earthen vessel, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side. Yeah, we, we, have, we have trials. It's, it's going to happen. We're hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed but do not despair because we have the knowledge and the understanding that God has given to us. But we do not despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Notice in verse 16, dropping down to verse 16, therefore, um, yeah, we, we go through these things, but guess what? We don't lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day through the gift of the Holy Spirit, through God revealing more and more truth and understanding to us. Every day we get more excited as we come to a deeper, more profound understanding of God's plan for us. Day by day, for our light affliction, uh, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more excellent and eternal weight of glory. Yeah, 
these lives uh, preparing us for what is yet to come in the future. Uh, an exceedingly great, glorious future that God is offering to us. Pictured by the Feast of Tabernacles. That's why it's a good, great time to rejoice because we can look forward to those things. While we do not look, verse 18, at the things which are seen, the physical, but at the things which are not seen, the spiritual. Uh, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. It's a wonderful uh, in, insight that the Apostle Paul has given to us. Brethren, we need to not miss that point. You know, let's stop for a, for a moment and just consider uh, that you are a spirit being right now, filled with power, filled with glory, working right there side by side, Jesus Christ and the patriarchs who have also been glorified. Uh, you have uh, cities under, uh, under your responsibility. You're governing, you're ruling, you're teaching uh, God's laws to humanity. And now you look back at your physical life and you consider, did it really matter that you couldn't afford the most expensive designer clothes? Did it, did it really matter that perhaps your teeth were a little bit crooked? You know, we have the ability to fix some of those things, but is that really what's most important in life? Uh, yeah, you may have a bad back or perhaps your feet are flat or you know, whatever it may be. You know, some of those things are, are helpful for us to really draw closer to God, to rely on Him, to trust in Him and not make the physical the priority. We need to remind ourselves that our physical tent, our body, was not designed to last forever. This is not the end game, as they say. It was only meant to last us long enough to qualify to receive your internal inheritance, your spirit body. That's the exciting part of what these feast days picture for us. So let's also have a look uh, at the feast uh, in another aspect as well. Why the feast of temporary dwellings? We can look at the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel has given us, uh, God has given to us the examples of the nation of Israel for our learning, for our example, things to do, things not to do. But during their 40 years uh, in the wilderness, and of course, uh, they uh, rebelled against God and God really uh, made the decision to give them 40 years. And notice the reason for that in Deuteronomy chapter 8. You know, 40 is a time of testing. Uh, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 8. And notice uh, a very interesting statement here in verse 2. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. For what reason? Why does God give us these physical uh, opportunities in life with his physical body? For what reason? To humble you, give us time to really get our priorities right, uh, to test you, to see, brethren, what choices you're going to make in life, to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger 
and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone. Well, that, brethren, is part of the Christian experience as well. It's part of our experience right now. God wants to see if we will qualify, if we have the right heart to receive our inheritance, eternal life. God wants to find out what is going on in our heart. And so we have trials. We have challenges in life. We'll be faced with decisions, decisions today, decisions tomorrow, decisions next week. We will be faced with decisions. Are we going to compromise on God's law or are we going to stay firmly focused on God's law and be like Abraham who said, if you want me to go there, that's where I'll go. So that's what God is using this time for while we have these temporary temporary dwellings, these temporary shelters that we inhabit, these bodies of ours. God wants to know where we stand and if we, we will qualify to inherit eternal life. Brethren, will we trust and put our reliance on God and not in ourselves? Now, this is a lesson that we can learn. And God, of course, is humbling us. During the time that Israel was traveling for those 40 years, it's interesting uh, to read about their relationship with God at that time, Jesus Christ, who was, of course, the God of the Old Testament. In Numbers chapter 9, let's have a look quickly here in Numbers chapter 9. You'll remember that uh, the children of Israel had a pillar of fire uh, at night and a cloud by day to lead them. Really, they had to be ready uh, to go at a moment's notice. A day or night, they had to pack up their, their tents, their dwellings. If the cloud moved, they moved. Uh, Numbers uh, chapter 9 and verse 17, we'll just read here. Numbers 9 and verse... Well, we start in verse 15, actually. And now on the day that the tabernacle was raised up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony, from evening until morning. It was above the tabernacle uh, like the appearance of fire. And, and so it was always the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. And whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle after the children of Israel would journey and in the place where the cloud would settle, there the children of Israel would pitch their tents. So their, their movements were governed by whether the cloud would move or the fire uh, would move. Verse 18, at the command of the Lord, the children of Israel would journey, and at the command of the Lord, they would camp. As long as the cloud stayed above the tabernacle, they remained encamped. Even when the cloud continued long, many days above the tabernacle, the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not journey. They waited, literally waited on God. Verse uh Verse 19, and even when the cloud continued many days above the tabernacle, well, I just read that, sorry, let's drop down to verse 20. And so it was when the cloud was above the tabernacle a few days, according to the command of the Lord, they would remain encamped, and according to the command of the Lord, they would journey. And so it was when the cloud remained only from evening until morning, when the cloud was taken up in the morning, then they would journey. And they only just got through unpacking everything and then the next day, God says, right, we're heading off again. They would journey whether day by night, whenever the cloud was taken up, they would journey. Verse 22, 
um, whether it was two days, a month, or a year, that the cloud remained above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would remain encamped and not journey. But when it was taken up, they would journey. Maybe they had just gotten their tent set up. Maybe maybe they found the perfect place, uh, the river, uh, bend, uh, beautiful clear water, good fishing, uh, good shelter, good shade from the trees. Perhaps it was just the most perfect place. And then the next, next, that next morning, the cloud moved. The pillar of fire moved. They had to make sure that they remained focused on God. Most of Israel's example is that they did not follow God. We see example after example of Israel rebelling against God, lusting and complaining Brethren, here in these temporary dwellings, while they were in the wilderness, they began to learn, hey, we've got, to, we've got to follow God. We've got to trust him. So, brethren, in life, uh, sometimes things happen. We just get comfortable in life and then out of the blue, perhaps you lose your job. Um, out of the blue, perhaps you have a health trial. Um, something happens. We've got to be prepared to move and to be guided and to be directed sometime at a, at a moment's notice. When you think you've got everything worked out, you've got your, your three-month, your one-year and your ten-year plan all organized, and then overnight everything changes. We have to trust that God is in charge. We have to let him direct us. And by dwelling in temporary dwellings, we, we learn the meaning of trusting in God. Let's consider one final point before we close. When Jesus Christ uh, returns to the earth, the nations of Israel, of course, will have come through the tribulation. They will have been in captivity. And God will lead them into the kingdom of God, into the millennium. And this is described in Isaiah chapter 61. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 61. Let's just have a quick look here. Isaiah chapter 61, we notice, and you can imagine, uh, the joy. The feast, as we've talked about, is a time of rejoicing. Uh, As these uh, people who have come through a time like the world has never experienced, and they see uh, that the war is ended, they see that Jesus Christ uh, is a righteous uh, and generous and faithful God governor of the world, they will begin to to rejoice as they understand the blessings that come about living God's laws. But Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, and there will be a lot of brokenhearted at this time, to proclaim liberty. They will be liberated to the captives, the captives, those who are in captivity, uh, modern Israel uh, will be liberated from their captivity and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Notice Zephaniah chapter 3, Zephaniah now chapter 3. Let's turn there. Zephaniah. <clears throat> 
Zephaniah. It's in here somewhere. There we go, Zephaniah. Uh, chapter 3 uh, and verse 17. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord your God uh, in the midst to the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. You know, there will be, you know, it's not only us that will be rejoicing. God will rejoice. You know, Jesus Christ gave his life for all of mankind. This is, this is what Jesus Christ is looking forward to. You know, he qualified to be king of kings and now he comes and takes possession of his people, uh, Israel, of the, the world at large. And so he is rejoicing as well. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet uh, you with his love. He, he will rejoice over you with singing. I will gather those who sorrow over the anointed assembly who are among you, to whom uh, it, its reproach is a burden. Behold, at that time I will deal with all who afflict you. I will save the lame and gather those who are driven out. I will appoint them for praise and fame in every land where they were put to shame. And at that time I will bring you back. Even at that time I will gather you, for I will give you fame and praise. We'll give you a name. You know, Israel will have lost their name. We are losing our name today. But here, Israel will be brought back and they will be established. Their name will be established. Among all the peoples of the earth, when I return your captives before your eyes, says the Lord. Now, the Israelites who, will, who have survived the tribulation, the day of the Lord, will make their way back into the land that they were to inherit. And guess what they'll be living in? Guess what they'll be living in? Once again, temporary dwellings uh, will be established for them. Hosea chapter nine, uh, 12 and verse 9. Notice Hosea chapter 12 and verse 9. It says, But I am the Lord your God ever since the land of Egypt. God has had a relationship with his people right back then. He says, I will again make you dwell in tents, in booths, in temporary dwellings, as in the days of the appointed feasts. We know that what has happened in the past uh, is to show us many times what will happen in the future. And so this Feast of Tabernacles is picturing not only the coming kingdom of God, the fact that we are dwelling, we will be dwelling in booths not only now, but also picturing a time when the captives will return, the millennium, the kingdom the, during the millennium will be set up, and of course, they will again dwell in tabernacles. But even more, there is even more to the story uh, if we continue on. This is just a shadow. The feasts, remember, are just a shadow of things to come. And we turn to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. There is another tabernacle that we have not yet talked about. We only really don't have time to go into great detail, but this Feast of Tabernacles pictures a time still yet in the future. A very exciting time will actually take place after the millennium. Notice Revelation chapter 21 and verse 1. 
This is what really God the Father and Jesus Christ are looking forward to. Uh, Revelation chapter 21 and verse 1, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, notice this, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, God himself. And we're talking about God the Father this time. Jesus Christ will have already returned. And now we're talking about the heavenly Jerusalem. We're talking about God the Father coming to this earth. And he says there, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. This is The earth will become the center of the universe, and the universe will be governed with God the Father, Jesus Christ, the saints, and our, our responsibilities, we will inherit all things. We're talking about the whole universe uh, will be part of our responsibility to take care of under, of course, uh, the government of God. We can look forward to that. Notice, and God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eye. There will be no more death. These spirit beings by this time, no more sorrow. Satan will be completely bound and taken off the scene. No crying. There'll be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. It's a fantastic time, brethren. It's a time to truly rejoice. Let's rejoice at the Feast of Tabernacles. Let's understand, brethren, why we dwell in temporary dwellings, the Feast of Temporary Dwellings. Brethren, we do that so that we can learn humility, so that we can develop faith in God, to put our trust in him, to make the kingdom of God what we seek first above all else and not make our homes and our physical lives the priority. These are temporary. We need to seek first the kingdom. And God wants to see uh, what is in our heart by the lessons of life, the choices that we make, because we are using, we need to use this time in order to qualify to dwell in that incorruptible tabernacle that God will give to us, our spirit bodies, bodies that will feel no more pain, that won't hurt in the morning when you wake up, that won't grow old, that will be perfect and that will be eternal. Brethren, there is a crown waiting for you, waiting for me. Brethren, our name, God willing, will remain in the book of life. Let's make sure it stays there. Let's learn the lessons of the feast this year. Let's rejoice. Let's be excited and let's put everything we can into really digging deep into God's word. And this is what God wants us to do during these very special days of the Feast of Tabernacles. Brethren, have a great feast. Rejoice and may God bless you all as you consider your temporary dwellings.